coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. The Cougars return home from a trip back east looking to get back on the winning track with the Pirates of ECU sailing into Provo. And we're looking ahead to the Friday Night Lights with Kalani and wide receiver Puka Nakua next on BYU TV. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, good evening once again, Cougar Nation. We say hello from inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for our Week 9 installment of BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. We're glad you're joining us live and on demand, whether on the BYU TV or BYU Radio app this evening. For those watching us live, you're invited to use the Opine app to enhance your viewing experience. Simply download the app and keep it open throughout the show and watch the side of the screen for poll questions. And as a reminder, our social media hashtag is hashtag Show. Coming up on tonight's broadcast, we'll look back at last Saturday's setback at Liberty in beautiful Lynchburg, Virginia. We will go inside the film room with Jerem Jordan and tight end Isaac Rex. Deep Blue profiles former BYU defensive back Derwin Gray, wide receiver Puka Nakua, will join us live in studio and we'll answer questions from social media in our Q&A segment with Coach Kalani and Puka, preview this weekend's Friday night affair with the ECU, and get a live look at the Cougs' new uniform combination for this upcoming weekend. And let's get tonight's show started by bringing in the head coach of the Cougars. He is, of course, Kalani Sitake. And a hand for Thank Hazel Haymuli, our lay girl this week and every week. Right. Never misses a show. Yep. Always gets us started the right Always way. Here. Always happy to yeah. see Hazel's smiling face. Hazel, daughter of our producer, Hema Haymuli. And uh, Hemel, Hema and Hazel have left the building. They've just uh, departed stage left. Good to see mm-hmm. you back. Good to be here. Late afternoon practice for the boys? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just... Uh, with the shortened week, we had to go a little bit longer today, but uh, the guys are used to it. We had to do some extra time yesterday, but uh, good physical practices that, are, that I think will you know, produce a better, better result this weekend. By the way, a thanks to, to Lays for Days for providing the Lays that we get every week here on the show. I did want to leave them out. So, um, gosh, it was a tough day this past weekend in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, beautiful setting, great hospitality, wonderful campus. It's a big-time program. They put a lot of money into athletics, and, uh, and, and it was a great build-up that way. Uh, of course, you left it not feeling uh, like you'd played your best, certainly, that afternoon. Yeah, and just really um, just a bunch of thanks to all the fans that showed up and were there. Uh, not an easy ticket to get, you know, in, in Lynchburg, but the uh, we had fans of representation there, and so just hope they know how much we love, appreciate them. And uh, I was happy that the players got to interact with them after. There's a lot of families that stayed and fans that stayed to interact with our our, our players afterwards, and uh, appreciate their their uh, their support and and their love for us and our program. And so obviously the game itself, uh, not not the result we wanted, and not even the performance that we were hoping for, you know, and that that we planned on. And Sometimes uh, things happen and you have to res- respond differently to it. And I think I like the guys fight. I know there's a lot of questions about what's happening in our, in our program, but this is what the culture of our program is built for. And so uh, in these times of, of uh, some adversity, we can, this, this is the time where heroes are born and where uh, leaders become big time leaders and, and great, great leaders for our team. And uh, I'm already seeing it in the last uh, couple of days, seeing some good things happening in our program. And, 
uh, allowing our, 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 um, our culture to continue to thrive. What kind of things have you observed that make you feel good about yeah, uh, the direction? Great leadership. I mean, we, we've been in, in tough spots before. Um, the situation is, is, I think you face reality and, and have a good, honest talk with all the players and, and, and as a team, as a program, with the staff. And then you say, OK, what can we do now and what's our what's our options? And then you face it, face the reality that you're in your 4-4 four, four, and you've gone through a little bit of a slump. And the only way to, to get out of it is to go back to what our identity is. And that's I mean, this, this is we're built on toughness. And so the tough times, tough people will emerge. And physically, mentally tough, we've got to be able to do that. We've talked about avoiding distractions before, you know, um, uh, whether they're praise or criticism. Now this is the, the right time for our guys to focus on what they can get done, uh, you know, every day and and in prep. And so we talked about how we can push ourselves to the brink of just ex pure exhaustion compared to prepping for this. And I think it's a good moment for us. I, I know a lot of people don't want to be in this, this spot, but I don't mind adversity. I don't mind tough times. I, I feel like I... Me and myself have been built on that in my life. And so uh, I talk to the players that the life is going to happen to you. And this happens to our football program. We can actually do more. We have more uh, options and more uh, action to take place now as a football player than we would in life. Sometimes things happen to you in life and you're dealt a tough hand and, and uh, people are going to look to you to see how you, what your, what your, um, you know, what your demeanor is going to be and what your attitude is going to be. And our attitude is positivity, optimism, but also work hard and, and sometimes get down and dirty, get a little tough and, and it's okay, we'll, we'll, be, we'll get through it. But I, I'm excited about the growth that can happen, the progress that can happen from this. At four and four, what are the goals for your team besides get better every week and every Yeah, week? just this game, just focus on this. I mean, that, that nothing else matters. I, don't, I think uh, I've said it to you before that this week is all that matters and each day, each hour. And I think the preparation for our players, watching film, all the little things, getting your sleep, proper nutrition, just doing all the things right, being on top of school, and then also um, allowing all the roles that you have in your life to, to be able to flourish in all of them. I don't think you can pick and choose what your priority list is going to be. Let's be great at everything and, and really get down to the simple, simple, small things that we can, the low-hanging fruit, you know, that we can control. And that's a lot of these guys can, can take care of that. Well, it was a beautiful day in Lynchburg, Virginia on Saturday. We're going to look back briefly at the, at the highlights brought to you by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. And the things began quite well for BYU, as it turned out. Uh, BYU did not get the ball. Uh, BYU actually went three and out to open. Liberty got the ball, kicked a field goal. Next time BYU got the football, it was a uh, long-scoring touchdown from Puka Nakua. He's been so great in this situation, and you're up 7-3 uh, early. Yeah, and just, I mean, good drive. Felt really good at the beginning. I mean... The you know defensively we were able to hold them to three three points on that on a couple of big plays and then got a turnover and was able to get 14 points you know on the board. 14-3 quickly. Shedro Lewis scored to make it 14-10. It's a one-score game and then Liberty would take a lead. They would not relinquish. It's 17-10 in the second quarter. A field goal before halftime. 20-14 at the break. 20-14 was the score at that time in the third quarter. Lewis again as Liberty expands its lead. And then this was kind of the, uh, the backbreaker it felt like when it happened. An 80-yard touchdown run from Day-Day Hunter. He had a tremendous day on the ground. Yeah, broke some tackles. We had a couple guys run into each other and just uh, not, not uh, you know, holding the shape of the defense. And uh, he makes you pay. That, that's what Liberty's been doing all year to, to, to teams that you know, make mistakes. And the final score of the game, capping a 38-0 run for Liberty, went to C.J. Daniels and 41-14 is your final. Take a quick look back at the game stats presented by Smarty. 
location data experts. And a couple of numbers jump out. Uh, it, it's tough to win when the opponent rushes for 300 yards, mm -hmm. as Liberty did on that day. And it was another game, Kalani, in which uh, the offense didn't have the ball a lot of the day, uh, almost 40 to 22 to 1 in possession time on the day. Yeah, and, and, and that's a, a team loss, you know, total team loss. We win able, I mean, going up 14 to 3 and then have 38 unanswered points and not being able to, to match the scoring, but at the same time not being able to stop them, that, that's a problem. And, and a really good team. Uh, I don't think I said before, even last week, that a lot of people don't know much about Liberty, but uh, you'll see that they, they, they play a good brand of, of, of football. Hugh Freeze is a really good coach. Um, you know, he's when he was in the SEC, he beat Alabama twice. He beat Nick Saban before a couple times. So um, they're a good team. We knew that we had to be ready to play them, and they got the best of us, obviously. And, and, and I think looking at this, we have to just figure figure things out and, and get back to our, our identity and uh, give ourselves a better chance to, to, to get wins. And, and that that itself right there was not, not a good, good enough performance. Plenty of top 25 votes for Liberty at 7-1 and one, uh, after their win over BYU. Yeah, it should be. I, I think they play Arkansas this weekend, so we'll see how they match up against them. But uh, you know, for me, my focus is to learn from the mistakes and get better and, and try to make sure that we're, we're playing a lot better this Friday. As a religiously founded institution, they, uh, in a lot of ways, tried to model the athletics program after schools like BYU and Notre Dame that was talked a lot about. And the buildup placed a lot of emphasis on this visit. It was a big deal to them to have BYU come to Lynchburg. Yeah, they were really excited about the game. And, and you know, I talked to Coach Freeze um, before this. I, I, I was in an event when he was there, and there's a bunch of coaches. It's actually a, a golf tournament. I wasn't there because of my golf game, I can tell you <laughs> that. I was there because I was head coach. But Lavelle Edwards helped set this up, and, and it was a golf tournament with a bunch of coaches, uh, 40 head coaches, and he was one of them. And got to talk ball with him, and, and um, you know, he's really excited because of the investment that Liberty has made in athletics. You can see uh, the excitement, the energy that, that's there at the school, and, and uh, he's excited. He said he was able to bring a bunch of his coaches and uh, feels good about his strength coach that he was able to bring on from, from SEC school to his place. And so they're obviously invested into their program and it's starting to show in, in the production. And when you match that with a really good coach, you're going to get some really good records. Well, time now for our schedule snapshot as the Cougs have played two-thirds of their regular season slate. Two home games and two road games left to play and two more wins needed for bowl eligibility. And Kalani, it's a one-game-at-a-time thing, but you know that target is out there. You want to play in the postseason and you've got to pick up a couple more wins to get that done. Yeah, let's just get this game this week and then we can talk about the next one. And that's just just to raise a sharp focus on, on East Carolina. That's, a, that's, that's it. Learning from Liberty, which we've you know, I'm talking about it with you. But it's in the show. rear view for you guys. Yeah, but yeah. The, the guys have already moved on, and we have to in order to, to perform at our best against East Carolina. We'll talk about East Carolina a little more in the next break, but you can say coming in at 5-3, and three, that's a very good football team. Yeah, and, and I, I think I said it in the press con the yesterday's press conference that you can tell they're well, co well coached. I mean, um, they play really hard, and, and, and they're, they're, they have a really experienced quarterback, but... Um, Beginning of the year, they played NC State, and then they had a field goal to win the game at the end of it. And then you see that what they did to UCF last week. I mean, they, they beat them by 21 points, and so uh, they definitely have talent, and they, they have a lot of athleticism and speed, and the key for us is going to be a play assignments on football. And um, their, their offense of the pass game has a lot of, uh, uh, I think, a foundation of, of air rate and run-and-shoot type of schemes. Um, but they're not afraid to run the ball, too. So they can put a lot of points up, but they can also run the ball. And defensively, they, they can make things really difficult by stopping the run. That's what they focus on. Okay, a few more particulars on the Pirates coming up in our next segment. It is break time, though. And for your day-to-day -day Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, we invite you to watch BYU Sports Nation. 
with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan just down the hall in Studio B here at BYU Broadcasting. Weekdays, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, Jerem Jordan will take us inside the film room with BYU tight end Isaac Rex. We're back with more BYU football with Kalani Zitake after this. BYU football with Kalani Sitake is presented by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU athletics. Smith's, fresh for everyone. Brady Industries, honestly better. And by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. And we are back with more of BYU football with Kalani Sitake from Inside Studio C here at BYU TV. Well, the day did not end well for BYU, but it started very well. BYU took a 14-3 lead in the first quarter at Liberty on a play run for tight end Isaac Rex. And tonight, Isaac looks back at that play and some of the rest of that day inside the film room with our Jerem Jordan. All right, Isaac, obviously a tough loss on Saturday. How's the mood of the team right now? Um, it's not great, to be honest. I mean, it's kind of an embarrassing loss. We got blown out. Um, it's embarrassing for all of us. We, we know we're a better team than we, we showed on Saturday. And so we really need to recoup. We got ECU, a great team that's coming in on Friday. We need to play a lot better than we did on Saturday. So well, let's talk about uh, some of the good plays you've had this season. A couple from Liberty. Let's start with the 18-yard catch early in the first quarter. Yeah, this is a cool little play. Um, based on this coverage, it looks like kind of a cover one, cover two man. Um, the safety's in the middle, but I think he's gonna fly over. And so for me, I'm just running a seam and this guy has me man. Luckily, I was able to get my hands off and Jaron throws me a good ball. Um, kind of get hit after the play. I thought I could have got a targeting on that one, but uh, that was a good ball by, by Jaron. Um, good overall play by, by the team. This is a nice catch, man. This is defended pretty well and thrown over the umpire. He ducks here. Yeah, I actually didn't even see the umpire. You know, when you're in the heat of battle, <laughs> when you're in the heat of a game, you just go with, you know, with how the game goes, so. Okay, then here's the touchdown catch. Kind yeah, of a delayed we, route from you. Yep, we ran this last year against Arizona State. It looked very similar to this, wide open. Um, I think 24 is supposed to have a man, just like that other play, he's on the ball, but, um, yeah, just a nice sneaky route. Jared throws a great ball and a walk-in touchdown. Nice little swipe there, get some separation. Yeah, that's the thing, working on getting hands off as a receiver, as a tight end, as a running back, it's it's so crucial. You know, this was a, a great play call by A-Rod and just a good overall play design too. At what point in the route did you know you were going to score and get the ball? Well, I saw 30, he had his eyes on Peeney, or number three right there. So he didn't drop back to the flat, he stayed with Peeney and so. I knew it was going to be an open route. Okay, let's flash back to the Oregon game, a 28-yard touchdown for you. Oh yeah, this is a cool play. So it's kind of two um, screens on the outside. You could throw either one if they see it open. But then I'm going to have kind of, we do a lot of chips in our offense. So if you see, I kind of fake like I'm blocking. The defender loses his eyes and I'm just running down the middle. It's one high safety look. so. Obviously, I have to beat that safety in order to get a touchdown. Jaron throws a great ball. The safety takes a bad angle. I kind of look kind of fast there, do I? <laughs> I mean, to outrun a safety, I'm going to give myself a little credit. Hey. Wow, hey, if no one me. else will, you, you have to. Yeah. Come on now. 13, he caught me at the end, but a little too late. Okay, let's talk about the touchdown against Arkansas. Initially, a flag was thrown on this, but taken, taken uh, back. 
Yeah, so there's a rule in college football. If you catch it behind the line of scrimmage, you're able to block downfield. Um, and so this is just basically a pick play. Kibo's great at this. He did this for me against Utah State where I tried to hurdle someone. But if you see number, that safety has me man right there. Uh, the corner flows with Kibo. He just basically does a little screen like basketball and it's a walk-in touchdown. Everyone's freaking out. Look at Jaron. No, we knew that <laughs> that's was... That's the most animated Jaron's game, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, he was very animated. No, that's a great play also by A-Rod and some, some good calls. And I'm grateful for coaches that give me the opportunity to have some uh, good plays called. How do we get you a touchdown and a win? <laughs> that's what I'm right saying, yeah. three losses. I know. No, I mean, I'm just... Uh, doing whatever's best for the team. If that means catching, scoring, great. If that means blocking, great. So Don't pass it up that. whenever it comes. Exactly. We you, need to you get in that end zone. Yeah, we need to keep this thing rolling. We need to, just as a whole, a whole team, we need to get going again. Okay, good luck Friday. Thanks. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate you. All right, well, uh, after what uh, Isaac went through in L.A. last year at USC, the fact that he's doing what he's doing, and it's right from the start, too. He was there for game one. It's a pretty remarkable story. Yeah, it's amazing and tough, just tough kid. Uh, wonderful mom and dad, and, and uh, I mean, he, he does all, he's a complete package, does it all as a tight end, and does a lot of the dirty work blocking, and so uh, it's nice to reward him with some passes, and I think, you know, he's a big target, so I, I think, uh, you know, going to him a little bit more will be good for our offense. Is he getting better, meaning recovery still happening as the season's going he along? Is, yeah, he's starting to get, every, every week he's getting better and better, and faster and faster, although he thinks he's really fast from the Oregon game, but um, he, he's starting to look like the, the you know, 100% uh, Isaac, and so I, I'm looking forward to hope, hopefully seeing that this Friday. Yeah, and as next up for the Cougs, it is the Pirates of East Carolina, ECU 5-3, and three, after a rivalry home win over UCF on the weekend, and Kalani, the fact that uh, UCF is leaving the American for the Big 12, that was a big part of ECU's motivation on the weekend. And even though BYU is not one of their conference partners, the Pirates would love to beat another Big 12-bound team. They got fired up for that last weekend. Yeah, they're, they're finding motivation. And it's like Liberty found motivation in, in making our game the, the, the biggest game in their, in their history. And so uh, and any way to get, get the guys to play harder than they normally would, that's, uh, I get our coaches do that. And, and um, you know, we, we try to do everything out of every weekend, I think, now. Uh, when you're in the situation that we're in right now, it, it doesn't get any bigger for us now. So, uh, you know, this is basically Super Bowl for us this week. That's all that the focus has got to be on. ECU uh, defensively, they love to take it away. They're 29th nationally in the turnovers gained. And then on offense, uh, Holton Aylers, their quarterback, throws for a ton of yards. The running back, Keaton Mitchell, is really good. And a pair of prolific wideouts in uh, C.J. Johnson and Isaiah Winstead. They've got their studs and they go to them a lot and they've produced a lot uh, so far this year. Yeah, and they get in third and short situations which which allows them to have great uh, efficiency on third down. So uh, we, we need to find a way to disrupt that and, and, and uh, get the ball back to our offense. So uh, whether it's turnovers or, or whatever we need to do to get better in our scheme and, and fundamentals, I think that's whatever it takes to get, get the ball back for our offense to score points. Yeah, I was doing some research on that too, and, and, and third and shorts are, are such a big part of third down success. You hit it right mm -hmm. there. It's not just a third down, it's how many yards you have to go. And this past weekend against uh, Liberty, it was almost uh, you know like a third and eight for you, I think, and closer to a third and four for Liberty on average on the day. Yeah, and I think the key is winning first down. That's yeah. got to be the key and, and, and making things difficult for teams. And so that's, you know, I felt like uh, if we tackle better and we focus on the fundamentals, we'll be a better team on defense and offensively, same thing, finish blocks, be aggressive, be physical, and that, that, that stuff can happen for us. So you're looking to come out of a three-game slide. You've had them before uh, and you've come out of them before. Uh, what's always been a key 
in getting back to where you want to be going on past experiences? Well, the, I mean, in this situation, I, I know that, uh, um, you know, it's tough times and, and nobody, I mean, you heard Isaac, you can tell how he frustrated he is from, from the loss. But uh, what's nice is, he, like I said, leaders are starting to really emerge and, and, and take the role, you know, of, of leading the team. I think, I think coaches are doing that as well, but it, it just means more when the players actually hold each other accountable. And uh, in, in, our, in our culture of love and learn, holding each other accountable is a big part of what we do. But guilt and shame and embarrassment is not part of what we do. I think you can learn in a lot of different ways, but uh, embarrassing someone and, and, and using guilt and shame is not the key. And so um, even though we may not make it public on what we do to hold each other accountable and have players hold each other accountable, the work is still happening. The love is still there and the learning is still, still taking place. And, um, and I probably assure you this is where this is where the, the, this adversity is where the, the, the culture will really start to thrive and, and we'll get better from this. You've talked about playing with the players that want to be in the fight. Yeah, uh, and you've said that a couple times here since that last game. Well, it exposes a lot of things, and and um, I mean, you know, if if, if people want to want to quit or it's a, it's a fight or flight time, and uh, I mean, I don't want to brag about myself or guys on this team, but the, the guests that you have on coming on Puka Nakua and the others, they're fighters, and so is Jaron and Isaac, and so we have a team full of fighters, and and. Maybe we haven't been fighting all along, and, and this is kind of forcing them to do it, and I'm excited about that. So uh, let's, let's go to work, man. Let's fight. Does it feel like you're at kind of a, uh, well, you hope it's a turning point moment. Do you feel like it's kind of a backs-against-the-wall situation where, okay, we've gotten to 4-4, four and four, didn't think we'd be here. Let's find out who we really are kind of well, thing. Well, I mean, we're just talking about all, all different types of motivation, and I think love's the best type of motivation. And, and what, what more to fight for than, than the love of your fans and your fan base and the love of each other in this program? And, uh, our guys love this program, and you know when you're trying to generate, coaches are trying to generate um, motivation, excitement. Um, this one, I don't have to do it; it's already there, you know. And and uh, sometimes you, when you're when you're doing that, you're spending all your time generating, manufacturing this this motivation. Well, the true motivation is intrinsic; it comes from inside. And when you have to defend your program, defend each other, and defend what you love about this place, uh, and and that comes into question in a lot of different places about their heart and their their desire to play. Uh, we're we're going to see the best out of our guys. Maybe as we go to break, you get to meet with your team daily, right? You, mm -hmm. have, you have team meetings. Maybe today, was there anything about that team meeting today that uh, maybe as you looked around, you saw something or felt something or heard something that really stuck with well, you? Well, I just know that the players are meeting and communicating often, which is good. I don't think uh, I need to be the spokesperson for it all. I know that they know what I expect and they, they understand the culture. They know what I say and, and they know that what the message has been from me. It's pretty clear. And uh, now for them to take it over and, and to share with each other and hold each other accountable, it's going to be it's going to be a good thing. I mean, we've been in tough spots before and had losing records and had to fight out of it. And uh, you know, let, let's get to that point where we can learn from this, get better, and then find a way to stay humble. That's that's going to be the key. And finish where you want to be. All right, yep. BYU TV and BYU Radio will bring you comprehensive Friday night coverage of BYU and ECU. We'll start with BYU Sports Nation game day on TV and Cougar pregame live on radio. Both shows coming your way live from Cougar Canyon outside the stadium, 6 o'clock Eastern time, 4 o'clock Mountain. The game itself on ESPN2 plus BYU Radio at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain. And then after the game, stay with BYU TV and BYU Radio for lots and lots of postgame coverage. And then come back with me down the hall in Studio B next Monday for the Coordinator's Corner next Monday. It's a Coach Ed Lamb and Coach Eli Satuiaki as A-Rod gets the week off on Monday. It'll be Coordinator's Corner, 2 o'clock Eastern, noon Mountain Time. 
on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. And then before this show on Tuesdays, you can watch after further review with Dave and David and Blaine as they review the previous week's game and look ahead to the weekend. That's Tuesday at 7 o'clock Eastern. Again, on BYU TV and BYU Radio, the app. Coming up, Deep Blue will profile former BYU and NFL corner Derwin Gray. And we'll visit with Puka Nakua live in studio as BYU football with Kalani Sitake continues. We welcome you back for more BYU football with Kalani Sitake presented by Intermountain Healthcare. Well, after a successful career as a player at BYU, defensive back Derwin Gray felt like he was going to live an amazing life in the NFL. What he found was quite the opposite, while at the same time losing himself in a work greater than he understood at the time, as we discover in tonight's edition of Deep Blue, presented by Brady Industries, Honestly Better. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. We were uh, what's called poor, not poor, because we couldn't afford the O and the R. And so when you're Poe, you don't really know that you're Poe. Now that I look back, there were a lot of things that I thought was just normal because that was my context, but it was not normal. Um, a lot of the uh, substance abuse that I, that I saw, a lot of the, uh, the chaos, the confusion, the violence. But I mean, I, I still had a, a happy childhood. I mean, that's all that I really knew. You know, we never attended like a Sunday service. We never prayed together. We never ate dinner together. So I would say for me at an early age, my religion was football. So my mom came to me and said, uh, this is what coach said. Coach said, if you work hard, you could get a scholarship. And I was like, what kind of ship is that? And so that kind of put like a little seed in my heart. Get to BYU, I'm a freshman. It's a whole new culture. It took me a whole semester to kind of figure out academically, to figure out culturally, even football-wise, what was my space, what was my place. January of my freshman year, I'm walking into the BYU weight room. I had seen him around and I thought he was cute and all those things, you know, uh, but I was just focused. I was just doing my thing. I heard these words, hey, can you give me a spot? And of course my heart's beating. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a spot. And did my lift and finished up and left the weight room. I probably had to go to class or something. I don't know. And then I thought there was going to be more conversation, but it wasn't. After that, she went on and did her stuff and I'm like, okay, cool. It's like, she's cute. I mean, she kind of ignored me. We saw each other again. I mean, it was, I don't know, maybe a week or two later. All the athletes were playing basketball. And there she was playing basketball. And she was shooting three-point shots. She was down low elbowing like 250-pound dudes. I'm like, I really like her. In the field house, we went up above where the seats are. And we just sat and talked for a minute. And he asked if I had a boyfriend. And I said, I do. So I'm like, cool. So I respected that. A little time goes by and I see her in the Smithfield house where all the athletes are and she's walking by and said, hey, do you still have a boyfriend? She said, no. And I said, yeah. Eventually got drafted. Go to the NFL 1993. And in my mind, I'm like, this is it. That first year in the NFL was absolutely, utterly miserable. I think God set us up. <laughs> 
because we both thought this was gonna be the most amazing, the most fulfilling thing ever. And we were actually really disappointed. I went from a big fish in a small pond to not even being a fish. He kind of like set us up so that we would go, wow, there has to be more to life than this. Everything that we were building our house of life on, this house of sand, he was allowing that sand to begin to erode. Third year, I had a really, really exceptional season. I had a teammate that I recognized pretty quickly in 1993 with the Colts. His name was Steve Grant, but his nickname was The Naked Preacher. And here's, here's why. Every day after practice, he would take a shower and dry off. That's totally normal. But then he'd get his Bible and begin to walk around, not in like a obnoxious or rude way, but he'd walk around with his Bible, towel wrapped around his waist, and he'd ask my teammates, he'd say, do you know Jesus? And in my mind, I'm like, bro, do you know you're half naked? And I turn around and I see six foot two, 240 pounds of dark chocolate, near nakedness coming towards me, white towel and Bible. And I'm like, oh no, here's one of these religious guys. So he taps me on the back and he asked me a question that changed my life. He said this, he said, uh, Rookie D. Gray, do you know Jesus? And for three nights, I just cried and I cried because I couldn't get over this. I couldn't get over that Jesus knew everything about me and loved me. My whole life was one long fight to be loved, to have affirmation. He would come home and say, I spend more time on the field talking about scripture than I am actually talking about plays. And my teammates are looking at me like, bro, like." Run the play, you know? And so we knew God was changing our hearts at that point. And we really weren't sure what was next. And so it was really a neat time of just seeking, like, God, what do you have for us? Like, where are you working? How do we join in what you're doing? Like, we know it isn't about us. We know you are doing things. How do we join in that? Like, how can you even use us, right? And that began this five-year process of this existential crisis of wanting forgiveness, wanting a father's love, wanting to be able to love my wife, wanting to not be so afraid of not playing football. He got a phone call from, I think it was a youth pastor in South Carolina asking him to come speak and basically just share his story. And we were like, okay, we don't really know like how this all works, but sure, we'll go. When he got done speaking that day, and it was, you know, note cards were falling out of his pocket and he teared up and was stuttering. And the youth pastor said, you better get ready because God's gonna start using you. And we were like, okay. Like, I haven't read in the Bible where Jesus is like, hey, I'm not the King of Kings, I'm Burger King. Have it your way. No, I read about a King of Kings who said, I'm gonna have an every nation, tribe, and tongue family that they surround and surrender their life to my grace and mercy and that they love each other. When they love each other, the world will know that you're my disciples. And so that was like a chapter that's still being written because to actually lead and serve a church of multiple, multiple, multiple thousands of people with a staff of nearly 50 
requires a different type of faith, a different type of humility, a different type of of courage. And so I, I feel like God is constantly transforming us. But here's the key though. He's transforming us to look more like Jesus, more patient, more kind, more trusting, more loving, more truthful, more faithful. He's been probably one of the greatest gifts God has given me. And His faithfulness to God, first and foremost, and His ability to see me through the eyes of Christ has strengthened me. It's probably helped for me into the leader that I am today. He believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. If somebody would have told me, hey Derwin, check this out, bro. You're gonna go to school called BYU. You're gonna meet your dream girl. You're gonna create some humans together. You're gonna have a legendary career. You're gonna play in the NFL. And by the way, you know that whole stuttering thing you used to do? God's gonna remove that. And by the way, even though you didn't grow to church nor read the Bible, you're gonna become a New Testament scholar and you're gonna write books and you're gonna preach the gospel in India, in Europe, and other parts of the world. And thousands of people are gonna watch your services online and you're gonna pastor a big old influential church. I'd have been like, you are not talking about me. And I want everybody to know that, that Jesus is the kind of king that will turn your tragedies into triumphs. A great Dewey Gray. So what's it like when uh, Dewey gets in a room with your team? It's awesome. And, and I, I welcome him to speak to the team as often as possible. And, and he's been really kind to come in and spend some time with them and just help mentor them. But he keeps in touch with all the guys. And uh, I appreciate his friendship to me, keeping in touch with me. And, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that, um, that the players know how influential the gospel of Jesus Christ can be in their lives, but even as a football player and uh, being able to work that into the program. When we're going through some tough times, we definitely be able to, to speak on the ministry of Christ and, and, and talk about his influence and his example. So we keep going down that route, and, and I think it's going to work out really well for us, and it's going to work out for these young men when they get older. And I'm, I'm glad that Dewey's able to share his story and and uh, show us how, 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 how influential the, the gospel can be in his life and, and that he's sharing it with everybody else. So that's, that's pretty cool. Very cool. All right, well, the 2022 BYU football season started in scintillating fashion, back-to-back-to-back touchdowns in the opening minutes of BYU's lid lifter at South Florida, with two of the three scores coming from our special guest tonight. But after those two TDs, Puka Nakua left the field and has only recently returned to it in full health. And tonight, we return him to Studio C. Please welcome in Puka Nakua. Good to see you again. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. After last year when you came in with Samson, I was really looking forward to what you might be wearing tonight, and you're pretty conservative. This <laughs> is <laughs> pretty chilled out. Samson is always the wild one. <laughs> that was memorable. Remember that, Kalani, last I year? I, I think he wore like a pajama shirt or something. Yeah, bright, yeah. pink, comfy. Yeah. <laughs> How's he doing, and what's he doing, by the way, these days? He's doing good. Uh, still got a big old smile on his face, and uh, I get a lot of phone calls from him after the game and during the week. Uh, him and Kai are just working out, staying ready for, for the opportunity they get. 
Yeah, could they be done, or are they still trying to find something somewhere at some point here? Still trying, still in the fight, in the grind. And staying, staying ready. <laughs> Samson got camp time with uh, with the Colts this year, though, right? Yeah, yeah. scored his first NFL yeah. touchdown, and that that was cool. That was that was cool. Maybe not be the right the word to say, but like to me, that's my brother. So, but uh, that was amazing to see. Uh, it's something that a lot of people get done, and yeah. his first his first time in the NFL, he got it done in the first season. So, yeah. I got a one up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, preseason or not, it's a lot of pride that goes in when you see him celebrating in, in the league. It was cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I mentioned the USF game in the intro, um, how quickly things happened and how quickly you were out. What did happen in that game to you? Um, shoot, we won the game. I, I, I was able to score a touchdown, um, scored two. Then yeah. my, guy, my guys got me right. I always think my, my, my personal bodyguards, uh, oh, I see it right here, Mason and Isaac. Those are my two guys right there. Whenever I'm getting in the end zone, uh, you get, they always see me. I get to, I get to celebrate. Um, or I, my, the ball ends up in my hands, but it's always Isaac and Mason that are kind of clearing the way out for me. Kingsley out there too. But uh, I, I kind of got tackled up wrong. I uh, had, a, had an ankle sprain, but was able to get uh, with the, our strength staff and our training room uh, healed up uh, as quickly as I could. E, when, as soon as it happened right there, what are you thinking? I'm, I'll come back in a few minutes or out? Oh, this could be a little while. Um, honestly, I wasn't sure. It was, I've never rolled my ankle kind of in, in football or basketball all growing up, and that was kind of the first time. And, um, and Coach Bobby doesn't want to hear this, but I, I didn't tape my ankles. <laughs> and so that, that could have been a, a possibility why. <laughs> um, from then on, I've had my ankles taped. <laughs> 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 I love this guy, but oh, he, he actually, he's tough. So after the injury came out of the tent, was jogging around, showing us that he could run, actually ran full speed. And I don't know if it was adrenaline or not, but he just wanted to keep playing. And we just decided to, to be smart and, and wait it out. And, and I'm glad we did that because I think all he could have done is done, made it worse. And so um, after, after on the, I think on the plane, it finally settled down, he's like, Oh yeah, I probably shouldn't be shouldn't have played. You know, came back, and, so I'm glad we made that decision. So obviously, you know, we, we need to just kind of baby this guy and make sure that he tapes his ankles, you know, eats breakfast, things like that, and, and then uh, then he can run fast and, and make big plays for us. So yeah. Have you not been a big breakfast guy? I love breakfast food. I have French toast, um, pancakes. Like, not a big baking guy, but um, the breakfast foods I do love, just not at breakfast time. <laughs> <laughs> Any other time. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, you did take a few weeks off as it turned out, had to recover. You came back against Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And and what happened in that game? Uh, getting, I'm getting, getting kind of old. <laughs> it feels like sometimes, you know, you try to go out there and uh, make the play, uh, whatever uh, my number is called. But uh, sometimes you know, just the body doesn't work right. I ask my muscles to, to flex sometimes, and sometimes they don't flex. <laughs> And so that meant it was like another week off, right? You had to rest another game, and then you finally come back, and now that you are back, or actually, when did you start feeling like yourself again, like, okay, I'm back? Um, I think the Notre Dame game, when I, we were, like you mentioned, we kind of got that week off, and I was able to recover and get out there, and um, obviously, I think just my Notre Dame, the Notre Dame game, I, I felt good. I felt there was nothing that, um, when I went out there, I was thinking like, oh, I don't, I don't feel 100, but this wasn't my best outing. And, um, and for my personal standard, I wasn't able to, to, to make plays. I think I went out there, I had, uh, they, they targeted me and I didn't come out with any catches, but I was able, in the block game, I feel like I was able to, to uh, enforce my will in, in, that, in that part of the game. But um, I felt healthy ever since, yeah, since the Notre Dame game, when I got out there, when every time I want to get out there, whether 
yeah, you never know where, how close you can be to 100%, but I always feel when, it, when, Saturday, when Saturday comes, I always feel my best, that's for sure. You're a wide receiver, so you catch the ball a lot, but you also take a lot of handoffs on jet sweeps, and A-Rod has called you the best jet sweeper he's ever coached. <laughs> Before I ask you to reflect on that, why, why would Aaron say that, do you think, uh, Kalani, about Well, this guy could probably be the best whatever you want him to do, so I mean, I'm sure he could play great defense and do a lot of different things, but... Um, the, the, I think there's, there's nothing that this guy doesn't want to do to help the team. And so all you have to do is watch his film, watch the way he blocks. But also watch when he, he and Samson came to, to our team and our program, it wasn't just like with the, the production on the field. It's every day they approach practice, nobody practices harder than them. So they set this really high standard of what to do when you practice every rep. It doesn't matter if they're getting the ball or not. You couldn't tell whether Puka's getting the ball on the way he runs a route, even if it's a if it's a, if it's a a, um, a dummy route, you know what I mean, or or a uh, and and, and he, so when you work that hard and you have that type of attitude, and you combine it with positivity and excitement and energy, um, it's really hard to to not want to follow. And and um, Puka's one of our best leaders on our team. I'm really proud of him and really proud of the things that he says to our team, especially after the the loss that we had this this um, last weekend. I was really proud of him in that moment and. Uh, you know, this, this, like I said, the culture is, is really starting to thrive. And um, it, it's been thriving from the beginning and just happened to th was thriving when things were going really well. But this culture is built when things go really badly, too. And, and we'll respond and we'll get back on it, especially with great leaders and, and uh, players like Puka. Before we get to break here, Puka, what was the substance of what you wanted to share with your team after the game in Lynchburg? Um... Just, I feel like something that coach said, I, I love I love this game of football. It's something I've been doing since a, a little kid. And um, something that coach uh, um, harps on us all the time from the beginning of the season before we got into fall camp is just energy and effort. Um, and that's two things I feel like those are two things that we, we control. You control your energy and effort. Um, there are a lot of things in the football game that you can't control. You don't, you don't get to, I wish I, I, I wish I could light up and say, defense, you run this because we got this play called up, but it's just not how it works. But energy and effort, those are the two things. I feel like those are the things that we've been lacking out there. Just, um, you don't get a lot of opportunities to play football and energy and effort is the things that can kind of get you over the hump sometimes when the play not might be going so well. You give, you give your best energy and your best effort and sometimes things just turn out to the right because you did that. Okay. Awesome to hear. Uh, coming up next, we'll take your social media questions for Coach Kalani and Puka Nakua when BYU Football with Kalani Sitake continues. Stay with us. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is presented by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics. And by Smarty, location data experts. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. Time for the social media Q&A portion of our show. Halloween is next Monday. First question, what are you going for as Halloween? Start with Puka on this one. What are you doing? Do you know what you know? Is it a surprise? Can you say? I think... I mean, I want to be Batman, <laughs> but still to be determined. <laughs> okay. okay, and Kalani? I'll be whatever my wife tells me to be. But I'm going to just, I think, I think I'm really good at just giving out candy. So that's what we're going to do. Okay, next question has to do with Halloween candy. Uh, what is the worst Halloween candy? And you might also want to say your favorite, too, not keep it, you know, so downbeat. Uh, worst Halloween candy? Is there a worst? 
Um, when I was a kid, somebody handed out nickels. That's, that, that's, not, that's not very tasty. That's the worst, but everything else I'm good with. doesn't matter. I haven't met a candy I didn't like. Puka? I, is there one you don't like? No, I, I see candy corn up there for non... Oh, that's favorite candy. That's big, oh, yeah. I've, my favorite candy is probably candy corn then, too. I do like the candy corn. Yeah. If I'm in, like, Target, Walmart, and a bag of candy corn, I'm buying it. Yeah, I got it. just, like, consistently eating that I yep. all day. Okay, uh, this is for Puka. Uh, Puka, who is a leader in your life that you look up to? Um, my mom. Easy. Okay. And uh, another Puka question. This is from our producer, Hema. Uh, tell us how you know Dana White. Well, first of all, for those who don't know, tell us who Dana White is and then how you know him. Uh, Dana White is, um, I think, the, I'm not sure. He's the head man of the UFC. The CEO of the UFC, right? Yeah. The the Uncle Dana to me. I grew up in Las Vegas, and me and his son, Lil Dana, and, and Aiden played on the same football team. So I, I've known them for a little while. And then that's, uh, he, he was our... He was our our, uh, our, our hype man for our, for our football, our youth football team. But then me and his son, uh, we, we were friends from then and that it's been a, a lifelong relationship since then. And so that had, that, that had to be part of the connection that uh, turned up creating that uniform reveal video down in Vegas, right? At, at, uh, at the yeah, Octagon. Out there a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to make some phone calls, but our, <laughs> our, our BYU uh, media team, they, they, they were the ones that kind of took control of that and they, they figured all that out. I just had to show up there and uh, stand look, and, look, and try to look good for the video. <laughs> you did, how, how fun was it to be involved in that, by the way? And did you like the way it, looked, it turned out? Uh, I thought it turned out sweet. Forrest Griffin, uh, growing up in Las Vegas, like he's like a UFC legend. So to be in the octagon with him, uh, there was some uh, some old blood, not my blood, <laughs> luckily. But uh, it was it was cool to be back out there in Vegas, and then obviously to wear the all blacks. And then uh, I do like the UFC for sure. <laughs> Seeing uh, two dudes uh, kind of go out there to the to the. Not the death, but yeah. <laughs> pretty close to it sometimes. <laughs> right. Some of the folks who are responsible for that production might be in our audience here tonight uh, in that department as well. Uh, great stuff. That was a lot of fun. All right. As we go to break, uh, here's this week's trivia question presented by Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics in connection with the San Bernardino International Airport. By number of games, how long was BYU's longest ever winning streak on the football field? The answer is coming up next. Stay with us. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. That's the voice of Puka Nakua, our guest tonight. Trivia question presented by Breeze, the official hometown airways of BYU Athletics in association with the San Bernardino International Airport. Uh, by number of games, how long was BYU's longest ever winning streak? And Kalani had the time period nailed. I did, I just didn't know the number of games. 25 games. So the final awesome. 11 games of 1983 all 13 games in 1984 and the first game of 1985. I was in the stands as a BYU student when the streak was snapped. Second game of the 85 season, UCLA was in uh, Provo and the streak ended that night. And I'd never seen them lose until that point because I came as a freshman in 1984 when all they did was win games. And so then I finally, I saw their first, I was like, wait, they lose games too here? <laughs> How does that happen? Uh, all right, uh, this season on the Utah, by the way, uh, those who are like carefully keen-eyed noticed that when Puka came out for his first segment, did not have the lay on, but he has the lay on now. What's the last thing Hema told you in the green room today before you came on the show? <laughs> it was to make sure I put the lay on before. I <laughs> We got That's your like back. me telling him to tape his ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Same theory, I guess, right there. Yeah. <laughs> so we got you back. We, we got you taken care of. He's now has it on. We're all, we're all, we're all good. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, jersey number. I like to ask guys usually why they have their number they do. You're number 12, why? Um, kind of been a family number, but obviously Kai were here. Um, 
yeah, my sister was the first one in our family to wear, and then everybody's kind of had it at one point or another. So I just, it's a good luck. It's a, it's my family honor shield. <laughs> okay, and somebody actually during our commercial breaks asked you about athletes in the family, and you, I think you had to kind of rank them for those that didn't get that off-air conversation. How does it go? Yeah. <laughs> Well, now that we're on there, because <laughs> um, I think I definitely, I, Isaiah, Isaiah's number one, and then Kai is for sure number two, um, Samson number three, and then me, and then Tay. Tay, there's no chance Tay's anywhere but five. <laughs> they got to keep him humble. <laughs> That's how it works. No, but this guy can run the show all by himself. We should just change it and have him come every Tuesday night here and do the show. Uh, well, this season on the Sitake Show, we close every week uh, with a sneak preview of the upcoming weekends at Uniform Combination. We don't just do it like on a mannequin. We do, we, we do it with a live model. His name is Travis Hodson, and, uh, and week by week, he's somehow gotten better and better at this job. Let's bring in Travis with this week's uh, Uniform Combination. So some background here. We got the, uh, the white, the royal, and the white with the nickel face mask. Uh, the last time BYU wore this combo was against Utah in 2021. So that, was, that worked out well. Uh, that's the only other time that this exact combination has been worn. So there you go. The white, royal, and white. Uh, and uh, Travis, great to have you back. He's, uh, he's steely-eyed and stone-faced. He's very serious tonight. He Sometimes he's a little more laid back, you know, but uh, tonight's not that night. You're... He's all business. He I'll wants to win. A, can we get a little flex, Travis? He said he's ready to run through a wall. Let's do it. So we're going to have Travis run through that wall. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not, not going to do that. Uh, as we let you go, uh, Puka, just one last thought maybe you'd like to leave uh, Cougar Nation with about what you guys have in front of you this weekend and ahead. Um, we... We love to have you guys. Uh, obviously, uh, there's, nothing, there's no other greater feeling than playing uh, at home in the Edwards Stadium, uh, having our fans to come and support us here at home. Um, but also, uh, I believe in this guy. Everybody in that locker room, we believe in this guy. We believe, I, I believe in Jaron Hall and what, we're, what we got. Uh, I feel like we're trending in the right way. And um, Friday's going to be fun. It's another opportunity for us to play football, and that's, uh, that's all that we're focused on. Awesome. Great final word. Thank you, Puka. For Hemma and Puka, I'm Greg. Take care. Go Cougs. Have a great week.